This is Judy Matheson, British actress from Hammer Horror and lots of other things. And uh, I think you should listen to the wonderful Without Your Head. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and i'm joined by the returning filmmaker emma dark it's very good to have you back it's lovely to be back neil thank you very much for having me yes thank you for doing this so yeah a lot of stuff i uh, just saw actually right today just a few minutes ago that the dvds came in of your new movies yes they did i uh, actually uh, sat right in front of their massive box full of them so yeah <laughs> super exciting they look great yeah, it's very cool. So it's a double feature of uh, your two short films. Yeah, exactly. Because I already had Season Night Out on DVD anyway, and I'm down to about the last five copies of that. So, um, and I was speaking to uh, Martin Unsworth from Starburst magazine, and he said, um, "Why don't you do a double bill? Because you know I've had them both BBFC rated, and they're both the same rating and stuff anyway." So. So, yeah, I thought, why not, really? I mean, it's slightly a little bit more of a production cost for me, but not that much. And, you know, I can sell it to people for the same price and they get double the value, really. So, and, um, yeah, why not? Exactly. So, uh, for people who don't know, it's Seize the Night and Salient minus 10. That's right. And uh, what other, um, other special uh, features on the DVD? Uh, I wish there could be, but it's mm. quite expensive to BBFC yeah. rates it. So um, if I'd have put special features on, it probably would have cost me about a grand, £1,000 at least, to BBFC rate it, which is quite expensive. And then you have your production costs yeah, on top. So, I mean, just to BBFC rate salient minus 10, because I'd already done season night, was £200. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, if you if you start putting the special features on, it all kind of adds up, um, you know, and I could just about recover the costs that I've spent on the these, you know, um, that might take one or two years to actually recover the costs. So I think if I did all the special features, um, well, I probably never would. So um, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a shame if I'd uh, sent them from America. I wouldn't have had to rate it, but then I would have had all the shipping costs, the additional shipping costs. So, yeah, you yeah. can't win, really, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that. That um, so over there, even the special features have to be rated. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, don't quote me on this, but for some documentaries, right. you don't have to have them rated. So you could say it's a documentary, but then if you're showing film clips in the documentary, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe that does have to be rated. I don't really want to take that risk. So, right, um, right, yeah. You know, yeah. And it's uh, right. It's always good anyway. But right now, especially to help support uh, the artists, help support independent artists. So get the yeah. actual copy of the DVD. Absolutely, because you got the physical item then, um, with all the artwork and stuff. And I mean, I've done all that artwork, everything myself, apart from a special cover that I'll also have from Simon Pritchard who's a really good poster artist that does beautiful hand-painted posters. Um, but, yeah, so it's, you know, I've put a lot of time and effort into it, and uh, we're in kind of a global crisis at the minute. I understand people don't always have disposable income. Um, I don't have any income at the minute, so if people do want to buy it and can buy it, it would be fantastic. It would really help, so. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you also have an Etsy page up now, so if people want autograph photos and stuff, they yeah. can go there. And uh, I think that's is that where you sell everything? Yeah, I just sell it all from Etsy because it's easy to keep track of everything and keep a paper yeah. trail for everything. Then, mm -hmm. 
By the way, you, I didn't know that that you actually do the uh, the art for the covers too, which I always yeah. think your art is is great. So, um, Thank you. you know, well, you're very welcome. Being an independent, you know, filmmaker, like how much of all this stuff do you, is you? So I, I know you're you're in most yeah. of your things and you're directing yeah. them. So, so do you have to kind of learn how to do everything? Yes, pretty much. I mean, you know, I've I've said this before. I mean different people work in different ways and not everyone's going to put in as much time to their projects in all these different roles as I would do. They might just want to concentrate on the directing or the writing or production or something like that. And that's fine. That's just, it's a different way of working, but yeah, I do like to do quite a lot. So, um, with my last film, for example, Salient Minus 10, I wrote and directed that. I produced it. I did all the artwork. I did all the editing, color grades, obviously all the marketing the festival run everything like that so yeah i do i do put uh, that I, in do you also think i also think i don't know what your opinion is um if you know how to do all those things mm. even if it comes a point where you don't have to do everything i think it helps yeah. just knowing a little bit of it yeah i i think so uh, if you if you know how to do all these different things and also i'd say i mean i i know i do act a bit and i act in my films as well but I think even directors who don't act, who have no intention of acting, no want to act or anything, it would probably be quite helpful if they did do a little bit of acting or took out some acting lessons because they can see things from the actor's perspective. And I think it's the same with the other aspects. The more you know about them, the more you can understand them when you know somebody on your team is talking to you about something. Um, you know, and I, like I said, I do like doing all these things. I would also say, you know, if you had somebody else editing your film, they might be able to come up with a fresh edit and a fresh idea that you hadn't thought of. So, you know, it goes both ways. Yeah. I, I always wonder about editing because uh, I don't like to do it. But also, I think if you're editing your own things, um, a lot of times you would probably want to not cut out something that you're just like connected to, like you had a good memory of doing it. Uh, yeah. Where so if someone else is editing it, you know, that might not be an issue. Yeah, exactly. I do agree with that. Um, I think uh, with Salient, I took quite a long time on the edit. I took about two and a half months. Mm. So I went through lots of different iterations in my own mind on that to get to the point I was happy with. Um, the recent film that I made, the two-minute short Gorio, I actually, I did make that longer to start with. It had some dialogue in it. Um and I played that through a couple of times and showed it to a couple of people. And I wasn't sure about it myself. And they said, try it without the dialogue, cut that. And I did. And it actually worked much better. Um, but I was just trying to keep it as how I scripted it, if that makes sense. But in the yeah. end, it was better to change it. So. And for people who don't know, that's part of the isolation horrors, which uh, you can watch right now on YouTube. It's an yes. anthology. Yeah, that's right. That was uh, set up by Nikolai Cornum, who I think you've also interviewed. So, um, yeah, he's yeah, a great filmmaker. Yeah, he's really good. And, uh, yeah, I was really pleased to be on his anthology. Yeah. How did that all come about? Um, that was, yeah, that was actually, uh, I got a call from Nikolai, a missed call on Facebook, and um, over Facebook Messenger. And I just thought that he'd accidentally pressed it because he's never called me over Facebook Messenger. So I just ignored <laughs> right. it. And then the next day, I got another one. I thought, oh, actually, maybe he does actually want to contact me. And uh -huh. um, I messaged him and said, oh, it, I thought it was an accident the first time you called. Is there something you want to <laughs> chat about? And he said, oh, yeah, can we set up a call? And we set up a call. And he said he'd had this concept for this um, anthology set in the, uh, like the, the lockdown and everything with the coronavirus. And um, it sounded really good. And I know that Nikolai is quite a classy filmmaker and it wouldn't have been anything too cheesy or sending up the virus in any way. And um, yeah, it all sounded great. So I was up for that. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Like, I, cause I've seen some movies popping up where it's like, mm. um, and I, I'm fine with making fun of really anything, but I, I don't know. It's just, uh, that's not, I don't really find a lot of humor in making fun of, you know, something's happening right now where like people yeah. know people that are dying and getting sick. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's, you know, it's, it's obviously in a very bad situation at the minute globally. Um, and yeah, there, there are good chances that a lot of us know people that have unfortunately passed away from coronavirus. And 
it's definitely not something to be looking at in a comedy aspect in my opinion um and i think if you do want to make a film about it make that film have a message you know so my film obviously it was mainly j-horror influenced but the message is kind of do do as you're told and don't try and break the rules and stuff like that otherwise bad things are going to happen i don't know Mm -hmm. if uh, you've had a lot of rules in america but in uh, the Uh, uk we had Uh yeah we had specific lockdown rules set out by the government and you're not to break them for your own safety and the safety of other people so it was kind Mm -hmm. of like a take on that really Mm -hmm. yeah and there's a lot of people who do uh who want to break the rules oh yeah it's kind of mind-boggling yeah Yeah, I, I don't understand it, to be honest. Yeah, lots of people just sort of treating it as if nothing's really happening. And in fact, some people I've seen, you know, in comments on news articles and stuff saying it's all fake. There's no yeah. coronavirus or 5G is to blame and burning 5G towers and all kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, my friend and he's uh, our webmaster, Tyler, he's in he's in uh, the UK, he's in England. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's you know we always talk about this, and he he reads a lot of like uh you know Americans on uh, on Twitter or whatever, and he's just mm. he's kind of baffled by how a lot of people react here, but but not everyone. Is yeah, here. no, no, I've seen some of the protests and people uh, wanting their hairdressers open and stuff like that. <laughs> right, of all the things, that's the, <laughs> exactly what you need. Right? <laughs> So, um, so for you, well, actually, all of them on isolation horrors. You all had to uh, <laughs> film with you with your phone. Uh, yes. Have you ever done that before? No, and uh, I'll be honest. I when people used to ask me about mobile filmmaking, especially in digital uh-huh. filmmaker magazine, because I used to run the um, Ask the Filmmaker. It's not a column. It was like six pages full of uh, questions and answers, which would come out every month. And I got asked about mobile filmmaking a lot of times. And I was very much trying to put people off of it and sort of saying it's not professional enough. You know, if you can go, I mean, I mean, you know, for what they cost, like an iPhone is a thousand plus, isn't it? You could go and buy a a DSLR for that. And um, so I did try and push people away from mobile filmmaking. But when I had this restriction and I did obviously use my phone, it didn't come out too bad. I was quite impressed. It is grainy. So I think if you want to make something like, um, I mean, there, there are like these videos uh, shared by Apple and stuff like that, where there are these amazing films shot with an iPhone 10 and they look superb, you know, but I don't know what lens attachments they've got. And it's obviously in fantastic light and all this kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I think actually if, if you've got a phone um, and you just get a little cheap tripod and actually the tripod I used for this phone was just 10 pounds from Amazon, like super cheap. And uh, I think you can make something pretty good, actually. So, yeah, I was impressed. I was impressed by it, and I was impressed by the quality of the other filmmakers' films as well. Yeah, I was, too. When I, I didn't know that part of it when I first watched uh, The Isolation Horrors. And then I found you know, I yeah. found out afterwards that that's how they were filmed. So I didn't even notice, you know, they, I thought they all looked really good. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm impressed enough that I would that I have two more ideas that I'd like to make if I have time during the rest mm-hmm. of this lockdown phase that we're going through. Yeah, and it's good for people if that's the, the you know everyone has a phone, so if that's your only yeah. means of and you really want to make something, you know, mm. uh, you know, and that's all you can you can use, you might as well use it. Exactly, I agree a hundred percent. I think it comes down to the story and the framing a lot of the time as well, and uh, yeah. I would I would definitely advocate using them now as well. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Nikolai uh, told me that you um you want to make a feature film based uh, or around kind of the similar <laughs> story. Maybe you wasn't supposed to tell me that. I don't know, but yeah. Okay, no, not a feature film. I I, mm-hmm. I don't really have the the budget for that to be honest. Um, it would it, yeah, I want to do a J horror, but it'll be a short film, so that'll be my next okay. festival film. And it won't be shot on mobile because I want something to look quite high end. Sure, um, right, right. Especially yeah. on the big screen, it's a, it's, a, it's different yeah. on YouTube, which everyone likes YouTube and stuff. But if if you're at yeah. a festival, it you know you want it to look look better than than YouTube. I agree, but do you know what? Actually, because um, 
my first film, Sadie at minus 10. Uh, sorry, Seize the Night. God, I'm getting confused now myself. Uh, my <laughs> first film, Seize the Night, it did play on a couple of big screens. And actually, I don't know what it is about the projection process in the cinema, but it does smooth things a little bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's still shot on great cameras and stuff, but it was shot by night and not with something like the Sony A7S Mark II, which we use for Salient, which can practically see in the dark. And, um, you know, so uh, Season Night was probably slightly, you know, lower quality footage in places. But it did look good on the cinema screen. So actually, I reckon probably something in shot on mobile would upscale and not look too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume uh, stuff shot on a mobile phone, uh, if you don't have a lot of light, it's probably very grainy. Extremely grainy, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of digital artifacting, which is not pleasant at all. But you can uh, help disguise it a little bit by putting some film grain over the top of that before you export it. So, and that was pretty much, I mean, I did that on mine because I edited my short, Gorio, but Nikolai edited all the other shorts and he did put a grain layer, I think, on most of them to help smooth out a little bit. All right. Was there anything done to make them, because I know they're all different and they even mm. have a little different style stuff, but besides, yeah. I guess, all of them being shot on, on uh, mobile, was there anything done so they had a similar feel to them? Um. Well, I mean, like I said, because Nikolai edited everyone else's, I think he was able to kind of tie in the general um, sort of colour tones and stuff like that so that they would match up a, a bit. Obviously, mine is kind of the odd one out because everything else is quite cold or black and white in one case. And uh, my film is very warm. Um, and I wanted to do that on purpose because I'd seen warm tones in a few horror films lately. And it's kind of it's kind of not what you would normally see not with modern grading anyway and uh, i like it so i thought why not make something warm toned and see if it works as a horror film yeah you know, so minus the odd one out slightly there mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, that reminds me because i don't know if you've even seen or anything but uh have you seen midsummer because i saw a lot of people who didn't yeah. like it because it doesn't look like a horror movie but uh i'm a big fan of it. i don't know what, what you think of the movie yeah i thought it was great Mm -hmm. I thought, I mean, I the, prefer Hereditary mm -hmm. out of the two, but I did like Midsummer. Yeah. I just think the idea that uh, something, like you said, is war warmer, it's colorful or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, that it can't be horror doesn't make, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, nor me. I mean, um, talking of grading, you know, the film Get Out, it's mm -hmm. got, if you look at the trailer and then you cut a clip from the actual film, the color grade is completely different. So the trailer was sent off to a separate editing house to be edited and they put the typical what they thought would be horror kind of tones on it so it was more contrasty and cooler in colour. And then uh, when they actually edited the film, they did that, I guess, in-house. And um, it had the tones the director and cinematographer wanted on the film, which was warmer and less contrasty. So um, that was the first time I'd noticed that because I read the article about it specifically. Otherwise, I don't think I would have noticed. But there are other films like uh, The Grudge 2020, which is very warm toned, but with a bit more green in it. Um, and yeah, if you look if you look back before digital, there's a lot more warm tone. It's kind of just a lot of the grading since then. Mm -hmm. So um, when you went to Japan recently, did that uh, yeah. bring up a lot of your interest in doing J-horror? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So you, you probably saw the, some of the stuff I posted up. Um, there's, a, there's a chap that runs a website called Tokyo Fox, and he goes to loads of different film locations, and he'd gone to quite a few of the different grudge locations, so the original Japanese films and then the American remakes, which were obviously shot in Japan. Um, and Yeah, I kind of followed his blog and stuff and went out to all these different locations, and uh, the Japanese people were so polite. They, they, I don't think they particularly like to be photographed or anything anyway. So no one really wants to get in your, your pictures. Um, but I, I was doing all kinds of crazy things, like recreating death scenes, lying in the middle of the road and stuff like that. Um, obviously, there were no cars on the road or anything. Yeah. And, um, yeah, people were so polite. And uh, I actually went out to the original Grudge House, 
which is some way outside of Tokyo. And you have to walk through a housing estate to get there. And um, unfortunately, I got to the house and it had just been knocked down. So, which was a bit oh. of a shame. Yeah. yeah. So they literally, that alleyway that goes to the house, literally one side of the alleyway, it's been all knocked down, all those houses, which was the actual grudge house. And on the other side of the alleyway, everything was there the same. So I did find some bits of wood and stuff, which I thought might have come from the grudge house. And I took those as relics. Um, <laughs> you know, why not? That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I, took, I got a few little bits of, of memorabilia like that. And um, there's another scene in the American grudge film with Sarah Michelle Gellar, where she stood with her on-screen boyfriend overlooking a cemetery. And I visited that as well and took some stones from there. So um, hopefully I'm not cursed now or something, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope not as well. I hope not as well. Well, I hope not. Yeah. 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 So uh, was that your first time uh, being in Japan? It was, yeah, and uh, it's it's quite different to how people imagine. Um, the, the amount of comments I had about it being like Blade Runner, uh, that was probably the yeah, that was probably the most uh, prolific thing. And there are bits that are like that, but it's not really like Blade Runner if you watch Blade Runner. But it's mm. it's pretty cool. Um, the people are so polite and nice, and nobody bumps into you. And if you're going down the tube. And you're about to get a train and somebody slightly crosses in front of you, they'll apologize and bow. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. The food's amazing. And it's actually quite cheap. It's cheaper than the UK um, and better standards of hotels and food and stuff like that. The only thing is, obviously, it's a long flight from the UK and uh, the flight is quite expensive. So that's the only downside. But apart from that, it was absolutely amazing. I didn't really want to come back, to be honest. <laughs> yeah yeah i've never i've never been there myself but uh my friend annabelle went yeah. there a few years ago and she said the same thing about everyone being so nice and yeah uh it's a lot different than uh than riding the uh the subway here uh yeah exactly exactly yeah it's just a, it's a great experience yeah honestly riding, riding the tube in england i went to london it, it's yeah. uh it was a lot nicer than riding it here really yeah. Okay, I'm surprised because the tube in London is pretty grim, I have to uh, say, especially in comparison yeah. with Japan. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, here it's not very nice. So. No. It was a lot okay. I had a good time in London, though. That was my first time in London. Oh, when yeah. I went for Freight Fest. Yeah, exactly. No, I love London. I do love London. Um, Japan's just cleaner. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, speaking, you know, because I went there for Fright Fest, and you talked about you know yeah. festivals. Um, yeah, I personally yeah. have been really missing the festivals. I assume you are as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I did. Um, so just before we went into lockdown here, I did manage to go to the Starburst Magazine Festival in Salford, Manchester, and that was really good. That was a weekend event, and um, yeah, I had a great time and saw friends there and stuff and took part in a panel and a radio show and I was actually supporting um Martin Daniels film the house the house of Lexi which is uh something I'm acting in so yeah it was great it was a good way to um end socializing just before it all finished <laughs> right yeah I myself was at your know, festivals right up until uh until the same thing but uh ML MW yeah. Daniels who I've also had on the show uh, yeah. really talent really talented guy uh, house of Lexi's was great and you're very good in it. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. So did you, because um, he, he also worked on uh, the Isolation Horse. Did you did. meet him? Did you meet him at festivals? Or I guess, how, how, did you, uh, uh, how did you guys meet each other? No, I didn't actually. I met him on another short film called Umbilical that I was part of. Again, it's an acting role. And he was also acting on that. So he's done a bit of acting as well. And uh in in this film, he was actually supposed to be a stalker of mine. So he was great. He it's uh, actually a, I mean, he's a really talented person. You know, he's a good filmmaker and also a good actor. So um yeah. And a really nice person as well. Yeah, he's a very very cool guy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and good a uh, really good uh, filmmaker. And uh, Nick Lai also yeah. worked on uh on House of Lexi. Yes, he did, yeah, as a cinematographer. Yeah, he's great. I mean, um, he can work really fast as well, which is pretty amazing um, to get the shots he does. So, yeah, he's really good. And obviously offers an editing service for everybody as well that he works with. So, 
which is good. Yeah, the shots in House of Lex are amazing, like on the beach and stuff. Oh yeah, that they yeah they are really beautiful. Um, it was quite a story getting there though because we we all met in uh, I can't actually remember where we met somewhere in London at some point, and um, then one of the cast members took us in her car to Whitstable, but you know what sat navs are like. We were following a sat nav, and it was going crazy. We ended up driving around and round part of London. Eventually managed to get out and get on the motorway to the coast. It took so long to get there. Um, got to the coast. We couldn't find a parking space to start with because it got late in the day and there's so many people coming down there to the beach. We managed to park up eventually and, um, yeah, got the drone out and shot that. There was one point though where uh, the drone operator, I don't quite know what happened, but the control pad slipped or something. And this was a massive drone. Uh-huh. you know it's not like a pocket drain this is huge and uh then it started zooming straight towards my head and that's a duck really quickly <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> yeah and i've just been talking to people about um you know oh somebody should make a drone horror film where it chops people's heads right, off or right. something you know yeah. and uh yeah i don't think it would have chopped my head off but yeah could have knocked <laughs> well, me out or something right, yeah. <laughs> uh, you almost made you almost made that movie unintentionally Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the, you know, the worst thing is that when that happened, it would have been great if um, that shot had been recorded, but there was a fault <laughs> with about three different shots and they got corrupted and that was one of them. So, oh, so it can't oh, even be put oh. out as a, as a goof or anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see it. Not, not, I said, I would like to see that, but I don't want to see like yeah. you get headed, but that's um, what I would have liked to have seen me like screaming. Dark as well. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Is that where you met Nikolai, or did you know him before, too? Um, well, I met him on Umbilical when he was a cinematographer for that film. And, uh, yeah, and then obviously House of Lexi and um, seen Nikolai a couple of times out of feet for film festival screenings and stuff as well. So, yeah. Did, uh, you know, you were an actor in, in those movies. Did you? Uh, do you yes. prefer acting or, or directing, or is it all kind of directing. the same thing for you? Okay. Directing. Um I think it's important to act and I do like acting and I think it's important to stay front of the camera as well. Um, you know, if it's not on my films with other people's films, there is value in that. Um, I don't think being a kind of director that's hidden away, nobody ever seeing what you look like, not attending events. It's not really me. Mm-hmm. I like to go and talk about things and um, market things. And part of that is being in things. But with the acting, you can, you know, all you've got to do is your rehearsals, learn your lines, turn up and do a good performance. Mm-hmm. Then afterwards, you might have to go along to some film festivals, help market and stuff like that. But when you're creating a film, and I'm not just talking directing because a director can walk away at some point. But when you're producing, writing, directing, making your own short film, you can never walk away, really. And there's just so much involved and so much money involved. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's a much grander scale thing. But for me, it's very, very interesting. And I like all those different aspects. And I like producing something that I can hold that and say, you know, that was my idea. I made that come to fruition, obviously, with a team of people. Mm-hmm. Um but the kind of films I want to make, you need a, a team of people, uh, talented people to work with to help, um, you know, uh, make your vision come alive, really. Uh, does that make sense? Of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, you said about, you know, being important to, to be seen and stuff. Um, yeah. I, I agree with that. And how important do you think that is? And sometimes people, I think, overlook mm-hmm. that is, uh, especially yeah. on an independent level, you have, you have to use social media. You have to get your name out there yes you have to i think so um i think the, the days are gone because we're in such a saturated market now there's so many people making films those days have gone where you could make something really good and put it out there and someone might pick it up and i mean short films did used to get uh, cinema screenings before features and all kinds of things which you don't have now um you know, but those days are gone where you can be this kind of uh, mysterious name behind something and never be seen. I think if you want your film to be seen, especially when there are so many good 
films out there and tons of really good films what what is the usp apart from your film being good it's got to be marketing and getting your name and your face out there attached to the film yeah and i think you know if you um if you're likable people you know it'll get people to uh to at least look at your stuff of course it has to be good afterwards or else you know they'll be like well they're nice but their movie's terrible but you know but it it, it all works together like you said uh there's so many people making stuff it's hard to stand out then if there's you know so many choices i think so i think so i mean some people just make really fantastic films and they will you know they put a trailer and it will go massively viral with not much Mm. um them having to do much themselves I don't know what that formula is, uh, personally, but yeah, marketing is key for for me anyway. Mm. So uh, the short films, do you, do you think over the last few years there's more um, interest in those? It seems like it to me. I think so, yeah, but I think partly that could be, like I said, because people are making them more. So if there are more people making and there are more people interested in having their films screened, therefore more people will turn up to film festivals, etc. Um, so I think that's probably part of it. Uh, yeah, I have seen s- some distribution. But I mean, OK, the, the kind of distribution I'm seeing is sometimes a DVD anthology, which is great. A lot of the time just on a YouTube channel distributing on there, which is i mean you know that's not really going to make anybody money apart from the actual person whose youtube channel it is um so it's good for the distributors maybe yeah i don't know i think maybe maybe the days will come back again when you have a short film before a feature at the cinema i don't know but the minute the distribution is all quite small time you know Mm mm-hmm yeah, I know there's. They have someone like uh, Shutter. I don't know, like I don't know yeah, uh, do the short. details, like how how you know how they how much they get or anything. But it, it's cool that there's platforms where where they can be seen anyway. Yeah, I mean something like Shutter is great um, in terms of what they pay. I, I would I wouldn't know. I mean, most people I've spoken to have had short films distributed in some way or another by somebody else, but really don't get very much at all. Um, surprisingly low but there's not really much money to be made out of it in the first place to be fair so yeah yeah it's quite difficult but yeah shudder's a great one if anyone can get on that then i think that's really good it would be good if netflix also had some kind of short film yeah area or something but yeah i don't know maybe they will come to do that they used to put a lot more independent film on when they started up certainly with the netflix uk anyway um, oh, in recent yeah. times they seem to have got rid of a lot of that you know because i would have people that i was um friends with on facebook that would have their feature on netflix mm. and that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case anymore with the independent horror scene but maybe they go back i away. agree I, yeah there's not much independent stuff there at all there's not really much horror on there no. it's uh, no, really almost all so series now on there you know yeah like, they uh, seem to have gone that way I think some part of that was to do with the licensing, with who they could get their features from. Um, so in the UK anyway, I mean, other countries do have a lot more in terms of feature films. But yeah, we've got loads of TV series here. Yeah. Yeah. I know that Tubi has a lot of uh, independent uh, horror and a lot of obscure weird yeah. stuff. See, that would be great. I did try to join Tubi, but it's mm-hmm. not available to the UK. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure. About yeah. yeah, I mean, I might be able to get around it, you know, with a VPN yeah. or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, unfortunately, it's not available to the UK. Mm-hmm. Now, for all the when we were talking earlier about, you know, you you did the uh, the art and uh, directing all these things. Um, are you yeah. self-taught? Are you self-taught in all those? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. The only training I've had for any kind of graphic design type stuff is probably at about a month's worth and another course about a million years ago, like literally in the nineties. So yeah, most of that is self-taught. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the picture again right now. They, they are very well done. Thank you. Welcome. Do you have a, do you, do you ever have like the full size posters for sale or anything? Well, yeah, only a three sized, um, 
Yeah, I just designed them for A3. I don't think there's much point going bigger than that for short films. But yeah, they're all on my Etsy store. So if anyone wants to buy a signed one, it's got yeah. a bit of value on it with it being signed. So yeah, so yeah. But what? I've only got about three in my Etsy store. I don't know that I would really print off the other ones. I don't know if there'd be enough of a demand for anything that's a non-festival film. But Yeah. So what are you doing currently uh, during the lockdown? Well, I'm trying to ramp up for this um, season night release. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. Sadie Mines 10. Mm-hmm. I really should stop. I really should stop making films with uh, so, starting with the same yeah. letter and everything. Should <laughs> right. yeah. Maybe it's your lucky <laughs> yeah. letter. I don't know. Yeah. Probably, yeah. The <laughs> next film will not start with an S, I can guarantee. Right. Um, yeah, I'm trying to ramp up for the Salient Minus 10 release. So part of that is the DVD. So that'll be... Well, I'm going to take pre-orders now. I've got all them, but I'm waiting for some lobby cards that I've had had printed, some little six by four lobby cards to okay. go out in like a, as a special little package. So I'm going to do two different ones, it, just the plain DVD. And then the DVD with the um, an extra cover designed by Simon Pritchard, which looks really nice, and with these little lobby cards with it as well. So it's like a little collector's item. And uh, oh. they'll also be coming out uh, online on my YouTube channel and Vimeo, so that will be free to view. So if anyone can't afford the DVD or don't want, doesn't want to buy the DVD, they can still see it. Um, but yeah, the DVD, the double DVD uh, box set thing is really is a, is a collector's thing for people who want that physical media. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, the isolation horrors. Um, yes. Would you? Uh, is there any plans to do more of those? Um, actually, yeah, Martin mentioned something to me today that he did want to do one of these again, but he needs to speak to Nikolai and the other filmmakers. And yeah, yeah I'd definitely be up for doing something again because it did take a chunk, it did take a chunk of my time out to do that. So even though it's a two minute film, it still took me 12 and a half days to make that from beginning to end because I did all, all the things you see, like the website and the app, I created all those graphics. Mm-hmm. And then obviously I shot it and then I had to, um, the bits you see with the screen, with the app and stuff like that, with the message coming through, that's not shot from a computer screen because you can't actually go that close with a mobile phone. Right. It just right. starts distorting. Yeah. So I had to take, yeah, I did try, but it was, it was pointless. So I had to take just all the still images in post and animate them, like animate a cursor going across and stuff like that in Premiere Pro. <laughs> right. uh-huh. so all of this stuff ended up taking time and then the color grade and stuff, getting that right. And yeah. So, um, yeah, but I definitely would like to do more of those. And, you know, I, I think with Nikolai kind of assembling everything as well, it keeps a really high production value and everything mm-hmm. looks great. And I would, I would definitely do that and be proud to be part of that. Yeah. Yeah. You just won't, you won't do any more computer screens in the next one. Oh, I think I should try and avoid them really <laughs> <laughs> because it just, it makes something that could be shot quite quickly and edited uh-huh. quite quickly. It just, it just times is that by 10. So. Yeah. Uh, did you play both the characters in, uh, yeah yeah i did so yeah unfortunately i also decided to shoot everything in one room for some crazy Mm -hmm. reason which wasn't part of the remit Uh so uh it it ended up getting to the shot at the end where the ghost appears and i was quite limited with what i could actually do Mm -hmm. so um yeah i probably would have liked to uh had that a little bit different but yeah it is what it is so and I had to kind of distort my face and stuff as best as I could because obviously you can still see it was me, even with the mask on and the wig and everything. So, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Nina Romaine wants to know what's the best and worst yeah. horror you've seen in the last decade? Yeah. Nina's asked an awkward question there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the best one, I don't know. I mean, I've seen loads of great ones. I can't even remember past the whole decade, to be honest. Um, right, right. Recent, I'll tell you what I've watched recently that recent I thought was really good. good. Yeah. yeah, and that was the summer of 84. That was no, really, that too, yeah. really good. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, to me, it was a lot like The Burbs, but with sort of like younger kids and a bit more serious. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought it was I love great. The ending. 
Yes, I do. It's quite sad, though. Um, yeah, it definitely is. I, it's a really disturbing ending. It is, yeah. I didn't expect that. I did think it would be a happier ending than that. Yeah. Um, especially as there were, like, comedy elements going through it as well. Um, in terms of the worst film, I don't know. I've seen quite a lot of bad films that I think I've had to turn <laughs> off on Netflix, and I can't remember right. what they are. Um, yeah. yeah, and I probably, I probably wouldn't want to be too disparaging because even with a bad film, you know, you know, as a filmmaker or film critic, right. anything, the amount of effort and time and passion and love people put into things, and sometimes they just turn out bad. So, hmm. you know, it's still somebody's achievement. So yeah, I yeah. probably would, I probably wouldn't be too disparaging. I agree. There's, there's plenty of negativity on the internet. We could, you could talk yeah. about what's good then instead of yeah, what's exactly. uh, worst. Yeah. Uh, Jason Erickson, what inspires you to work primarily within the horror genre? I just love horror. I always have loved horror. Um, ever since I was little, I don't know what it is about horror. Um, I, I often tell people I watched Albert Pune's The Sword and the Sorcerer, which isn't a horror, it's a dark fantasy. But I watched that when I was really young. I think I was about five or something. And um, if you watch the opening scene, that is pure horror, though. Like, and it's quite extreme, you know, if you're a five-year-old watching this. And uh, I think that was my first taste of a live-action kind of horror stuff. Because until that point, I'd watched a lot of sci-fi with Star Trek and um, whoever knows what else was out at the time. And, um, yeah, I think that was my first taste of... Uh, live action horror and also at the time my dad was a butcher so i used to spend a lot of time around the uh, butcher shop and see all kinds of you know horrible animal things so maybe that's kind of influenced me in a way i don't know horror doesn't really scare me as such there's not really much that properly scares me so I just, oh, yeah i mean i i, I don't really get scared know. about it. not to try to be a tough guy or anything but i think it's yeah. you know, i've been watching this as a little kid so uh but uh, yeah. for, I think some people don't get that. They're like, well, why would you watch? Or people will say a horror movie can't be good if it doesn't scare you. But then I always think, well, then yeah. like, nope, then I wouldn't like any movie. Because like, I don't, you know, I'm exactly. not going to sit there and get scared. But uh, I don't know. It's, I guess people watch them for different reasons. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think um, there's only a couple of horror films that have ever truly scared me. And one of those is The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is about The Exorcist. It just seems so um, realistic in terms of that kind of evil and the religious aspect and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and but but things that actually scare me far worse than that is I, I watched um, Cursed Films on Shudder the other day, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, obviously it's these films aren't really cursed, but you know these kind of folklore mm-hmm. things are built up around accidents on set and stuff like that. But um, something that also just completely passed me by, and I never actually knew this for, for some reason, but the Twilight Zone film, um, where one of the actors and, and two child actors were killed on set and yeah. killed quite catastrophically. And um, they were showing this footage. You, you could tell as you're watching it that uh, you know, there was obviously going to be something bad. It was building up something bad. One of the um, explosive experts had sort of broken down on camera, very upset. And you could tell from what he was mentioning, something really bad was going to happen. But when they actually showed that footage, I did not expect them to show that full footage and for it to be that bad. And mm. I will say, actually, that that terrified me. I could not sleep, get to sleep properly. Then I woke up at half three in the morning terrified. Then I woke up the next day, and I, it was the first thing that came into my mind. So I spent the whole of the next day thinking about that image you know i couldn't get out of my head so um to me that's the real horror you know and uh all the tragedy that surrounds that the people that lost various things lives and um family members and careers and all sorts of things so mm-hmm. yeah so be careful of uh, helicopters it's very similar uh, to the well yeah <laughs> exactly but i mean I mean, you look back on that and you, you can see, like, it's insane to have a helicopter flying yeah. that low. And all yeah. these explosives going off and to not have stunt people, to have actual actors. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and actual he was an older actor. Yeah, exactly. Right. But to, 
well, the children shouldn't have been out at half two doing that in the morning. But uh-huh. the actual older actor himself carrying these two children, which are small, but they're super heavy, across a river while all these explosives are going off. Like, you would never do that. You know, I don't know why people thought that that was something that would uh, be acceptable, really, at the time. Um, and, you know, anything on a film set is dangerous. Uh, you know, you just have to be super careful. But, I mean, that when you look back at that, you can see they were taking massive, massive risks. And, unfortunately, the, the absolute worst did happen. Yeah. The uh, what always sticks in my mind that scared me was I was a kid was the uh, the trailer for the movie Magic, so okay with Anthony Hopkins. Oh, and with it, the uh, ventriloquist dummy, yeah. Yeah, because I had yeah. a ventriloquist. My older brother had a ventriloquist dummy in the house, and uh, there's always yeah. something about like uh, like toys that were evil that would scare me because I had so many toys. I think and yeah. action figures and the idea that they but that one really not so much a movie but the uh the, the trailer when it's he just says like a little poem and he's like and then you're dead mm. that, that always scared <laughs> me i've only seen that brother film once mm-hmm. yeah i've only seen that film once and i can't remember it fully um it was quite creepy but um yeah i don't know i don't think it would scare me isn't that something a bit similar as pin isn't it with the um anatomical dummy i can't quite remember what happens in that one either but um it's worth checking out i think it's called pin and uh obviously the chucky films right. i love chucky films yeah what did you Chucky think of the remake? i thought it was excellent i went oh, into good. it yeah, I went uh-huh. into it thinking, and, and from the trailer and stuff, I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this, you know, because the whole Child's Play film and the series is, is really good. And it's got a distinct style, and Brad Dourif as well is obviously, you know, incomparable as the voice of Chucky. Um, but when I watched it, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was really, really good. Um, yeah, I rewatched it the other day, actually, as well. And, yeah, it's just amazing. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was one of the better remakes. I went to see it when it came out in the theater. And um, I know some people had a problem with how they changed, uh, you know, Chuck himself. But, yeah. Yeah. And even just how he becomes, you know, Chucky. But uh, yeah. I like the a different. I think if you remake something, you don't want to just make the same movie again anyway. So, yeah, know, this has a little original oh, twist yes. on it. But yet it's it's still, you know, not completely different. So it, I, I really dug it exactly it's like um it was a bit more of a sort of black mirrory kind of vibe to it i guess um yeah i know a lot of people didn't like the way chucky looks maybe they thought he wasn't as cute or something as the original chucky i don't know but i thought he was quite cute i like chucky he could be my best friend to the end <laughs> very good yeah i like him too yeah yeah yeah. But yeah, I like I like the little twit, like uh, you know, the more of a instead of like uh, magic, it's uh, voodoo. Mm-hmm. It's like a yeah. AI, and I like yeah. that. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, also quite believable as well. Yeah, and it was yeah, and it was uh, topical. Yeah, I don't think that. To be honest, let's 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 be fair here. No one's ever going to develop a bit of software where it could go that crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah. You know, I I did like the 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 concepts and the idea of that. Yeah, yeah, I did too. It's very good. So uh, you mentioned Etsy and stuff. So where can you find your Etsy page? Just put it um, in the dark. I don't know the link off the top of my head, but yeah, if somebody just goes onto Etsy and they type in Emma Dark, they'll find my store or some item by me, and they can find the store through that. Right, right. <laughs> how about how about uh, if you? You're easy to find. You're all over social media. So people yeah. put in Emma Dark and they'll find you. Yeah, they'll find me or they'll find uh, that woman from one. Is it Once? The TV show. Oh, I, oh, there was one point Emma. where all my... Uh, well, she's not She's not even called Emma Dark. She's called Emma the Dark One. But oh, there was one I see. I see. Do a Google search. And all that would uh-huh. happen is this uh, actress in this character role would come up and there'd be uh-huh. load a bunch of stuff for her as well i don't know if that's disappeared now but um oh, yeah, but yeah, if you type into any social media or google or something like that you'll find a bunch of stuff about me so i'm quite prolific yeah 
But sure, that's good though. Yeah, but I I, I did not know uh, this other one. The uh, well, not she's not really Emma Dark. She like you said, no. it's Emma the Dark One the Swan. Yeah, yeah, except that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. And somebody even actually, um, so I can't remember who it was. So I have to apologise if this person's listening. But somebody actually, um, I think they messaged me or came up to me once and said, "Oh yeah, you're you're from that TV show, aren't you?" And I was like. <laughs> No, that's not me. <laughs> It'd be nice <laughs> if it was me. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me. So, uh, yeah. 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 Years ago, someone messaged me on Facebook about um, what was it about? Um, foot, not Footloose. Um, this movie. But anyway, uh, God, what's the name of the movie? Now it's gonna drive me crazy. Dirty Dancing. Yes. And I was like, what? And so anyway, I looked it up and there is a Neil Jones who spells his name N-E-A-L. Like really? The, uh, okay, and, and Dirty wow. Dancing. And I was like, yeah. no, that's not me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So now I do joke now if anyone asks me to be on a podcast or to have a small part in a movie, I just joke. Yeah. Think they, they just have the wrong knee. They think I'm the guy from Dirty Dancing. <laughs> And they're really disappointed when they find yeah. out I'm not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just wait until you get asked to do a signing convention at some point for your role in Dirty Dancing. <laughs> well, I don't normally say, but I was at a um, convention in LA, Los Angeles, and uh, someone's like, oh, I know you. And I was all like, so I was like, oh, cool. Boy. And yeah. he, here, he thought I was a, um, I played like a, a dwarf in, in some movie. Really? And I was like, I know I'm short, but come on. I mean, no, you're <laughs> not that short. <laughs> and I was yeah. Like, oh. I was like, well, they particularly tall, perhaps, or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. So I, I don't know. But. <laughs> I do. I sold them an autograph. No, no, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, yeah. One of my uh, filmmaker friends, uh, he tells a story. He went to a convention. I don't know where it was, somewhere in America, for his films, because I think he had a film playing there, and they thought he was Jason Statham, and they wouldn't believe him that he wasn't Jason Statham. And they were, they were saying, why aren't you putting Jason Statham on your autograph? So there we go. It does happen, doesn't it? So... <laughs> I like that they wouldn't believe him. They're just like, no, oh, yeah, you're... they would. They wouldn't believe him apparently. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that. I've I've had strange things like that happen at conventions and stuff before. So where people ask you something and you say no, that wasn't me, and they don't believe you. So I, d- I don't know why that is. I don't know why they uh-huh. think people would like, but there we go. Strange things <laughs> it's happen a big sometimes. Conspiracy, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So everyone go out and get your salient salient minus 10 and seize the day. Seize uh, the double night. feature. Seize the <laughs> night. Yeah. That's the sequel. Seize the day. Yeah. But no, they seize, can the night. seize the day and buy seize the night and salient minus 10. There you go. That's exa- yeah. There you go. That, that's a good way to save it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, you can check out. It's on YouTube. And I have the link up on the website. But uh, the isolation horrors, you can see Emma Dark's short and uh, everyone's short. It's a, a really mm. fun anthology. I, I really liked it. I like anthologies in general. So. Yeah, so do I. So do I, especially when I've got a rap. Yes, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, the first movie my mom ever bought me in VHS is uh, Creep Show. Okay, nice. Nice. And, uh, this, uh, and that has a great wraparound with the. Uh, it does. It does, yeah. I still have, I actually still have it here. The VHS tape does not work anymore. Oh, I, I watch it, but I, it's in the old clamshell case, so it looks pretty cool on my uh, bookshelf here. Nice, yeah. Well, keep it, you know, even if it doesn't work, keep it right. for the artwork and stuff. Yeah, plus it's special because, like I said, it was the first one my mom bought me. And back then, yeah. they were a VHS tape was like $65. You know, it's not, oh, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So it was pretty yeah, they're, yeah, they're probably all 10p now, aren't they? If you were yeah. to buy a new one, but right. well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least they were when I tried to sell off my VHS collection to Blockbuster Video many years yeah. ago. 
I try. I I couldn't. I tried to even donate VHS tapes to. Uh, I tried to donate them to the library. They wouldn't accept yeah. them. And then I tried to donate them to uh, to a nursing home for. I thought the yeah. old people. They're like, no, we, we won't even. They won't even accept them. Like just to uh, give them. Crazy. I mean, people buy them now, they'll collect them again. But right. at the time when everyone upgraded to DVDs, they became completely worthless for quite a period of time, didn't they? So yeah. it's a shame. Yeah, I still have a few around. I don't know if I have any rare. Yeah. I have a Blood Feast one, which I think is kind of rare. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I've got, I've got a few uh, rare ones, I think. I've got a Warlock, um, I think it's a rental Warlock copy. And a bunch of other stuff. And uh, unfortunately, though, my VHS player broke a few months ago. Oh, yeah. So, yeah I, don't, I don't have a working VHS player either. I guess yeah. a VCR is what you call them. But yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I had mine for like, I don't know, over 20 years, I think. And it was mm-hmm. perfectly fine. Not a problem at all. And I thought, oh, um, I'll watch whatever it was that I wanted to watch. And it was quite a good tape. And I put it in and it chewed it up for the first time in the whole time. Oh, wow. And then That's something bad. popped out of the player. So I don't know what happened. <laughs> but I don't know if it can be repaired or not, really. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they've, they, I don't think they're making them anymore. I think if you get yeah. one, it has to be one that's already, you know, been around. Reconditioned or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. I might have to get a new old one because if I'm going to get a new, I want an older one, right? Yeah. One of the nice, like metal ones, nice silver metal ones. Yeah, yeah. Our original one was a top loader where mm-hmm. you hit eject and it would yep. pop up the top, and yeah, and it w- it wasn't even a wireless remote. It was like mm. it was wired to the VCR. Oh my yeah. god! Okay, wow. Yeah, my first one wasn't that old, but it was it was pretty old. It was, you know, proper solid silver chunky metal and top loading. And then I bought a new one in the 90s to replace mm-hmm. that, which is more plasticky, which is the one I still have um, that's broken now. Um, and you know what? The picture quality was better on the first one. So it was oh, pointless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah our, now I think about ours was metal too. I think we just threw it away like when... In the nineties, and, and bought and bought a new one, and I think you're right. It, then, then all the ones we'd buy after that, like they would just not last very long. But the yeah. original one would still work. But uh, I remember the the fast forward and stuff too. Like you had to, mm. you had to hold it down. Like you couldn't yeah. just hit it. It was yeah. <laughs> it's weird to think yeah. about this now, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't quite convenient, but more built to last. I think. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I miss the I miss those days when you go and rent movies at the uh, yeah the shop. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, that's where. So the Albert Pune Sword and the Sorcerer. I can remember actually being in the video shop, which was it was a small, obviously independent video shop, like way a long time before even Blockbuster came on the scene, certainly in the UK. And um, yeah, I remember being there and I saw the cover, and I said, I want to watch that film, and. Um, it was 18 though, so I don't know why my dad rented that. Whether he realised it was an 18 or not, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think it's an 18 anyway. It probably but, um, is. I bet. Yeah, I mean, I was like five, so <laughs> I was definitely underage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when we first got cable, they showed that movie a lot. For I think it was on HBO or one of them. They would mm. show it a lot, and I watched it a million times when I was a kid. Uh, I really like yeah. sword and sorcery movies too, especially the 80s ones. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I like all the um, Beastmaster things as well. Yeah. They're really good. Yeah, a lot of those sort of things. And um, Krull as well. I like Krull, that film. Yeah, yeah like Excalibur. I like mm. the original Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the um, sequel so much. No, Conan, Conan the Destroyer. Destroyer. Yeah, it's not yeah. good at all. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember the first movie I wanted rent my mom to rent, which she did rent for me, was Motel Hell because I remember seeing the the hey. pictures in like the old uh, I don't know if it's Fangoria I don't think it was Fangoria but it was the yeah. old monster magazines, and it was like just a picture of a guy with a you know a pig head on and a chainsaw and I was just like yeah. that's a movie I have to see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, a good cover will um, make people exactly. want to watch a film, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes a cover would have nothing to do with the movie, but they oh, would get around yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Well, that still happens, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, a, it does. a lot of the time for uh, 
budget films, kind of like not really even festival films. You, you know, you get some budget films that are made and they just go straight to like um, DVD and they can go out in some pretty cool, like cool places, oh, yeah. like for the supermarkets and um, I don't know, HMV and all that kind of thing. And sometimes there are some really good ones. And sometimes you pick one up and the, that cover looks great and you watch it and it's so bad and not like the cover at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I know exactly. Yeah. I also get a lot of screeners that way. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the people send them to, to review for the website. They're like, well, that's yeah. a cool looking cover. And again, I don't want to point out any movies, but there are some movies you wonder, like, why was this ever made? But, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are some like that, and uh, yeah, I won't name them now, but I've, I do have some in my collection. So, yeah, I'm I'm also, also, they're so bad, I've kind of kept them because they were that bad. It's kind of <laughs> made them funny. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I th- for me though, I think a movie like if you could tell, even if it's not good or whatever, you could tell either they had fun making it or they were trying to make something oh, yeah. that was meaningful. I think for me, the worst ones were. It seems like there's real no patent. It's just like a really mm. typical movie that you've seen a million times. Yeah. You know, and you could tell they just were throwing something together just to make a movie. And uh, that's the kind of stuff yeah. I would, I really don't enjoy. Yeah. I mean, there are some like that where they've got some typical tropes in and things because yeah. they know that pe- people will buy it, it will sell, but it's been made for like a really low budget. And they kind of, the from the, outset they because they know that they can get a certain amount of money back if they've got the right connections where they're not paying a bomb um with their distribution and stuff they know that they can earn a bit of money and then the director and the production team aren't passionate about the film and then that's what really shows so yeah i've seen that a few times and that's not great that's that's the thing that's a bit more of a letdown not that's because you know usually even if it's bad if someone's passionate about the film then usually it's not going to be super bad and you'll see some good in it yeah yeah. it's just made literally to cash in on something Mm -hmm. and nobody on board is passionate about the film yeah it's just like watching it's like watching paint dry so, yeah, I yeah exactly you know, what I'm saying. Watching blood play, isn't it? Because there's just loads of blood in it usually. So sort of <laughs> uh-huh. painting over the bad parts. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, it was. Uh, it's always great to talk with you, and we should do this again sometime. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you, so everyone, just look up Emma Emma Dark. You'll find her. Not like at her home, but you'll find her online. Hopefully not anyway. Right, right, right. <laughs> and get all her movies to begin with an ass and watch Isolation Horrors on uh, on YouTube. Yes. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for doing this. It's been very fun. It has. It's been great fun. All right. Well, you take care. Have a good uh, Have a good rest of the day. You too, Neil. I don't know what, what there's much to do, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I've got loads of stuff to do. <laughs> All right. Very good. All right. Thank you. Thank you, too. I interrupted you when you were saying you as well. But thank you. Okay. That's all right. Yeah. Thanks very much. <laughs> thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.